Have you ever wondered if the hidden room in your basement can be counted towards the square footage of your house? Well, this is America's most barbaric podcast, the Pod People, and we're here to answer that question. The answer is no. I'm, maybe. May, maybe. 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 But no. But, but not, not today. I'm Baby, Matisse Van Rossum. <laughs> I'm the boss, Baby, Ben Sheets. Hi, and I'm a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. Cleveland. Of a, baby. <laughs> of a baby. Of a baby. A copy of a copy of a copy of a baby. Well, we're, uh, we're doing a special episode to talk about a very exciting new film that just came out called Barbarian. Uh, we done this before, but I think for this movie in particular, good to just say immediately right off, right the, off bat, the bat, before we say anything, if you have any interest in this movie whatsoever, and you should, and you should, it would be advisable to stop listening to this podcast don't right now. Don't watch a trailer. Go see the movie and then come back yes. and listen. It's, it run, the less don't you know. walk to the movie theater. See this in the movie theater while you can. If you can. If you're a horror fan at all. Like, you don't even have to have an interest in this movie. Like, if you like horror, go see it, because uh, the less you know, the better. And yeah, it's I agree, better just for general horror fans. Not, as blind as not look into what it's about or figure out whether it's for you. Just go see it. It's going to blow your mind. It's, it's delightful. Uh, so, you've been, you've been warned. You have been uh, warned. Because we're going to talk about this movie, and anything is a spoiler. So, go Never. see it. I I feel very lucky that we managed to catch it without anything being spoiled. Same. Um, yeah. I only saw the trailer for this once in... I don't even remember what movie we were going to... Was it when we went to see Beast a few weeks I think ago? So, yeah. I saw one trailer for this, couldn't really tell anything about it, haven't seen anything else until today, except everybody on Twitter being like, go see this movie and go in blind. And so... I, I will say the trailer for this movie does a good job not revealing all that much. Of misleading, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think it shows, like, some of the underground tunnels, but it doesn't give context or any of that yeah. stuff, so, like, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Like, cool. Well, well now... You've Welcome back if you if you actually did go. Uh I hope you did. Yeah. Uh and if not, all right, well fuck it. Here we go. Spoilers. Let's spoilers. talk about Barbarian. Yeah. yeah. The Bay Barbabian. 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 I, I have such a fucking weird association with the word barbarian because in middle school, when I was in band, one of the other trombone players who's a friend of mine. One of the the stand tunes we played was Barbara Ann by the Beach Boys. And Barbarian. for some reason, he could not say Barbara Ann. He always turned it into Barbarian. Which is a harder <laughs> word. It is. And I don't understand why, but that is, like, so ingrained in my brain from, like, 15 years ago that or more than 15 years ago that anytime i hear the word barbarian i hear the song barbara ann in my head barbarian Bar barbarian <laughs> i work at a library i'm a barbarian well this was this movie is written and directed by zach Kreger, who uh is one of the whitest kids you know yep um, doing a Jordan Peele, pull, yeah, which, which if you're not familiar is a is an uh, is an adult. Swim? No, he was like a 
I think it was like a, one of the early like YouTube uh, series. They're not YouTube too, but they were on TV. Were they on TV? Yeah, I don't it know. On, I, it was on one of the networks. Yeah, it was like on IFC. Oh, or, Comedy Central. Comedy Central. Right? No, no, it's not. Because, UPN, I think. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't it Comedy was Central because Comedy Central doesn't have it on their YouTube. But yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it, ske- it, sketch comedy. Yeah, it was a sketch show. comedy yeah, series. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. Could you? Trevor Moore, you know, famously recently passed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, legendary. Fucking pour one out, too. Head. What a king. But yeah, this is, you know, another sketch comedy guy moving into horror. And I find that really interesting because I think, you know, the sensibilities of comedy, especially sketch comedy, and horror are really similar mm-hmm. in terms of building of tension towards something. Towards and release. a release. Yeah. yeah. And, and fuck, man, if this movie also. doesn't, like, excel at tension and release. Yeah. Like, it's a ro- I certainly release. It's a roller coaster ride. It's yes. like, it's a movie that feels like it's constantly reinventing itself to keep you guessing, but by the end does remain cohesive. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of people comparing this to Malignant, and I see those comparisons in a certain sense. In terms of, like, what the movies are about, they're nothing alike. Yeah. But Barbarian and Malignant are both films that had very little, like, real marketing lead-up. The trailers were pretty misleading, you go in expecting to get one thing, in Malignant's case, a generic kind of James Wan movie, and then the movie is so wild and creative and weird that it's just like an instant horror classic. Yeah. Nope. That nobody sees coming. Also did that. It's a genre cross. Okay, here, here's... Well, see, the... but I, I disagree with the Nope comparison because at this point, like, Jordan Peele is, like, one of the, the biggest names in horror and people sort of know... Like, Nope Nope goes in a direction that you don't expect, but the hype behind Nope was real in a way that the hype behind Malignant and Barbarian was not in the lead up to its release then once it comes out everyone's like oh my god this is amazing go watch it and they've all they also both came out in september which i've seen some people on twitter now dubbing sicko september (laughs) because of movies (laughs) like malignant and barbarian uh and i i love i do i do kind of love that that. sicko is me yeah i love both of those we're all we're all those sickos uh i i kind of get the comparison only in that like if you took the wild third act turn of malignant and peppered it in through an entire movie you'd get something like barbarian i I will say that with malignant malignant is one of those things where you could still spoil the movie and it has to be seen to be believed sure like if someone if if uh and i was unlucky enough to have malignant spoiled for me on twitter but it's like you can hear the twist about Spoilers for Malignant also, I guess. Like, you can hear the twist about, like, the the thing in the back of her head and her fighting backwards and the whole creature running backwards. Yeah. And how goofy that is. But, like, to see it is another thing entirely. Yeah. Like, and um, with this movie, I think that there is value, of course, in in seeing anything uh, as opposed to just hearing it described. But beyond that, I I don't see it, like, the same. I just think that this movie would be ruined. By, like, hearing, like, what happens, because I... It's a movie that doesn't telegraph itself very well, for the most part, so it is constantly taking... 
strange left turns that eventually correct and get you back onto like the same track. But it's a movie that is like continually subverting your expectation of what you think is coming next. There's a lot of sleight of hand and misdirection Mm -hmm. as well. For context, I saw this movie last weekend um, on a whim. You both mm-hmm. had COVID, so I went alone and, again, completely blind. Uh, but this was interesting because this was the second viewing mm-hmm. that I'd seen it. So I knew what was going to happen going in. And I think there's there's like key misdirects in there that are so important to not know about beforehand. Like... The biggest one is right at the top with Bill Skarsgård. Um, you know, the the whole beginning premise is this uh, woman booked an Airbnb mm-hmm. to stay the night uh, so she can have a job interview. It's a documentarian the next day. In Detroit. Yeah, in Detroit. In That's uh, very important. In a very rough part of Detroit. Very so don't Detroit. breathe-esque. Well, yeah, and uh, see that's the, that's that's a one of those misdirections because you don't you don't see what kind of neighborhood it's in until later when she pulls up. It's in the middle of the night. It's raining. You can only see the house, and it looks like you know a cute little cottage that would be an Airbnb. Yeah, and it turns out uh, it was double booked, mm-hmm. and uh, Bill Skarsgård is staying there. And I love that introduction of him because, you know, she gets back into her car to figure out what to do and the light turns on inside mm-hmm. and she, you know, goes back and uh, they meet and Bill Skarsgård, you know, is a very kind of intimidating guy, you know, he's very tall, you he's know, fucking Pennywise. He, yeah, of he's the yeah. guy who played fucking yeah. Pennywise. And so we, we have that connection in terms of he, thinking of him as kind of an... A malevolent force. I mean, he's got creepy. Face. He's got creepy eyes. Any any time you're looking at his face, you're just ready for like his his eyes to fucking separate like a chameleon. Because I just even just knowing he can do that at any time is fucking spooky yeah. to me. Yeah. Like yeah. He's yeah. A, he's and a uh, he is very awkward in this movie. Yeah. Like they play up the awkwardness of his character. You know, it is an awkward situation to begin with, but you know they really kind of push that uncomfortableness. Yeah, well, I mean, in the, a way that the, does make him feel genuine as a person as well, and I, I like that. It does feel it's really well right. handled because, like, of course, it's a situation where uh, Tess, the protagonist, is going to be a little wary, right? Like, she shows up in a strange town in the middle of the night at an, really well. at an Airbnb. There's a strange man that she doesn't know already staying there. He invites her in, and you know is. She doesn't, she tries to not take anything. Right. Or do anything. She's, I mean, she's being very cognizant about, like, the very obvious risks in this situation. And what I like about it, too, is that he's seemingly very cognizant of how she would be feeling as well. You know, like, because he's, he keeps trying to, like, make her tea and stuff, but, like, she takes a shower and she gets out of the shower and he's, like, sitting in the kitchen with a bottle of wine that was in the Airbnb and he's like... I'm wide awake. I was going to pour a glass for myself. You can have one too, but I wanted to wait till you got out of the shower so you could watch me open it because I know it would be weird if you came out and I tried to hand you a glass of wine. You didn't see me open it. Like he, he's trying his best to be somewhere 
to to be very self-aware and to like not make her uncomfortable but in so doing it is kind of uncomfortable because yeah. he's almost like trying too hard well, it's, it's to like, like... The, yeah, it's, it's like the hyper aware lip kind of thing right right like and, and i do and it, it, it kind of uh, that that aspect kind of reminded me of get out it's like he's going mm-hmm. he's going so out of his way to not appear rapey that he comes across as a little bit rapey yeah you know yeah. well because like clearly like and well then that's like the thing about like that that way of caring because like if you is didn't just all, all you that you're projecting is you're constantly thinking and worried about rape which it's like makes if you, you constantly thinking and worried well, about right it if too. you didn't if you didn't have <laughs> sinister intentions why would you be so hyper aware of making it seem like you don't have sinister intentions yeah. right and it starts to, it starts to feel like someone covering right yeah yeah and i love the scene uh for example where they you know, get the duvet cover on the duvet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a very silly scene, but once they get it set up, he kind of just stands there and stares at her for a second. Well, because they've been flirting, and you can tell that she has, like, started warming to him, and, like, she does take the wine eventually. Well, yeah, they they do, yeah, they they sit and drink the whole bottle of wine, you know, because she says that she's got a thing about, like, clean sheets, so he offers her the bedroom, but they they gotta wash the sheets first, so they gotta stay up. But, like, yeah, they, they do seem to, like, have some chemistry. So, like, after he helps her make the bed, there is that awkwardness of, like, him standing in the room because, like, it does seem like she's kind of into him, and you can tell that he's thinking, like, is she gonna ask me to right. to stay? I, well, and, you know? and, and it's it's one of those things where like it can be read as that, but it can also just be read as like she's just warmed up to him as a person. Sure, you know. Well, I Which mean, is, we like, do the whole, like male gaze, you know, that whole perspective. We do, thing we do see too. later, you know, like the next morning, she's like smiling at the note that he left, and when she's yeah. waiting for the interview, she's like looking at the picture of his driver's license that she took on the phone, and she like zooms on his face, and yeah. she's got like an affectionate little smile it's like she's into him she is like after after all of that she does warm up to him i will say though going in not knowing anything and expecting well, i we know, know this is a horror we know it's movie. a horror movie yeah, yeah so you almost expect there's gonna be horror somewhere him that's what we've to seen. be something that he ultimately is not in this movie yeah well i mean decades of horror tropes would absolutely lead us to believe that he's a fucking axe murderer right yeah like how many horror movies exist where there's like a handsome charismatic young man who wins the affection of the the naive young woman and then he turns out to be a monster like that is a tried and true horror trope so of course you're expecting that to be the case here, and it ends up not being. Yeah. Um, I like I like how movie like current movies are moving away from that in a cool way, or if they are, like they're becoming aware of that being a trope. I'm like always example, a fan of subversions of tropes. Yeah, like I'm I'm a really big fan of, um, for instance, like uh, Invisible Man. How like it skips that part. Like, and it just starts with her, like, just trying to get out of the relationship. Right. Like, that's a really Literally cool, like, fleeing yeah, the relationship. Like, yeah, yeah, the opening scene, exactly. It's her fleeing the scene, and that makes for, you know, just a really cool, like, uh, you know, sense of awareness uh, of that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. It, I think movies. it's interesting in this film, too, angles. because it's it's kind of thematically relevant, because this movie in every way? is very much about male predators mm, and yeah, male absolutely. aggression. Of course. And so to 
kind of build up something where it feels like it could be going in that direction and then taking it sideways and, uh, you know, pulling the rug out from under you. Uh, Many times. Yes. It's a very shocking thing. And I think the the key little bit of dialogue is uh, between Tess and him when they're talking about, uh, you know, if roles were reversed and he showed up, and she was already staying there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she wouldn't have let him in. And if she did, he would just, you know, come in without worrying about anything. Right, he wouldn't and, feel weird about it. Yeah, and uh, she was like, men can mess up and, you know, make a mess of things, and women have to be careful. Mm-hmm. And I Men think, can barge through life making a mess. Women have to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so relevant to the rest of the movie. Yeah, it's honestly. like the core theme of the film, yeah. really. Yeah, well, yeah, it's great because, like, later on it literally, like, cuts to, hey, here's an example of the barging guy, right? Yeah. Like, and I, and I love that, like, that's that whole character's person. He's the one who is doing exactly that. He's been barging his way through life. Yeah, you know? exactly. And, and I, I like that, like, that the film, it gives us that, even though, like, in the moment with that character's perspective, I really like Alexander Skarsgård's responses as well, and Bill. it feels or Bill, sorry, so many of them damn yeah. Skarsgårds. Well, they're they're all all the same. Um, uh, well, fortunately, they're yeah, they're, they're not all the same. Yeah, they're all they're all, all, they're, all the they're all distinct yeah. and, and good actors. Like I, I love yeah. all of them. Yeah, yeah I, I, I like all the Skarsgårds. I'm a I'm a general Skarsgård family fan. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, the. Um, Who's your favorite Skarsgård? Tweet at us. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, I got to go with the classic Stellan. Yeah, you got to go yeah. with Stellan. Yeah. Got to go Stellan. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like uh, Alexander's like the normie take, but I, I, I do he's really the most like, handsome. He is the most yeah. handsome, but yeah, he's really good in the Norman. But I, I think, yeah, this is the Skarsgård year now, isn't yeah, it? It is. It is. <laughs> but I think, uh, wow, look at that. Nah, Stellan's Stellan's got the gravelly voice. And yeah. I like that. He's cool and old and neat. He's cool and old and neat. <laughs> yeah, kind of like Anthony Hopkins, you know, cool, old, and neat. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a few actors I really admire that fall into the cool, old, and neat category. Stellan anyway. Skarsgård, Anthony Hopkins, <laughs> Ed Harris. I digress. But, like, I like I like that the movie, like, um, I think it does a good job of making it clear that, like, that's her take, not necessarily the take to sure. have. Um, but even still, it then does provide us with an example of like, hey, here's a barging man, you know, like this is, this is what, this is the guy that she was describing earlier. Yeah. I like that. He's, he barges his way into the movie. Yeah. Oh. Well, we'll talk about his introduction a bit mm-hmm. more at length because I oh, think yeah, we'll come back around to that. That, that introduction is one of the many jaw dropping moments of the film. Yeah. Especially for me when I first saw it, like. It's it's the most like edging. Um, like this this movie, it's a real edger. Like it really lets to it really takes its sweet time and it's like, nope, you're not gonna get your horror yet. Yep. You gotta wait. You gotta wait a little longer. Give you a little give you a little taste and, and then we're gonna really, do something. You know, different. it really pushes it just about as long as it can before you're just about to be like, Alright, well, like, you know, where's the horror man? And then finally you get some fucking horror. Well, to move into that, uh the next day. After her interview, uh, this is also when we see how, like, really, truly terrible, like, the neighborhood is. Like, she goes out the next morning to get in her car to go to the interview, and it is just, like, you know, 
one of the worst parts of Detroit, where like every single house on the block is abandoned. It's like a, it really is like it, a like post apocalypse. Stripped, stripped cars yeah. in driveways. Everything is spray painted. Trees growing through houses, like it's really you know, um, which just adds this to the uh, the growing list of like. Detroit poverty horror that we've got with stuff like It Follows, um, Don't Breathe. I feel like, I think, I might be misremembering, but I think the first Don't Breathe also came out in September uh, several years ago. So I think Don't Breathe also falls Sicko under the September. sicko se- September. Because yeah. that, I feel like that movie fits in very yes. perfectly with, with Malignant very and this. So. But, um, yeah, she comes back to the house later. Uh, Bill Skarsgård is still out. And she discovers a well, hidden... Well, she's chased inside. Yes, she's chased inside by a sinister homeless man who comes running down the street yeah. at her. Saying, you shouldn't be here. You or shouldn't... telling her, get out of that house, girl. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, makes it seem like he's trying to get her. So she barely makes it inside and calls the cops and they don't have a cruiser to send over. So, you know, uh, she's she's freaked out and she's wanting to go. But she ends up in the basement because I think she's looking for toilet paper um, and discovers a hidden door in the basement that leads into a tunnel she grabs the toilet paper and she goes back up, but the door has been has closed on its own yes. and locked shut. Mm-hmm. That's right, yeah. So she gets trapped in the basement. So as she's looking for a way out, she finds the hidden door, like, behind a shelf. Mm-hmm. There's a tunnel. She goes in and she finds a room with, like, a dirty cot, a bucket, and there's, like, an old VHS camera on a tripod, and there's a, a bloody handprint on the yeah. wall. It, it looks like where a snuff film would be shot. Like, genuinely yeah. horrifying production design. Yeah. Like, you see that room, and, you know, your imagination fills in all it's the just dre- Yeah, it's just dreadful. So much of the movie does that, too, really yes. well. Because shortly after that, she's obviously very freaked out, and then she discovers that there's at the end of the tunnel, another door. Well, actually, before that, Bill Skarsgård comes back. She's, you know, is like, we have to get out of here now. I found a secret room in the basement. And he's like, well, I got to go check it out for myself. He goes down there, looks, and then he's gone. Well, the thing I he love disappears. about that is he's so insistent that she stays there that you're not sure if he's up to something right. or not. Um, so you're already on the edge of your seat about that. And it also plays into the theme of uh, men barging through. Right, uh, won't, with... he won't just take her word for it that something yeah. is, like, deeply fucked up in this house and, like, yeah. they need to leave. Like, he has to go see it for himself because he doesn't say this, but, like, the implication is uh, you're just being a hysterical woman. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, there's there's that kind of. Yeah. It's he's like kind of incredulous. It's like you're. He's he's like there's you're, a room with a camera, a bucket, a bed, and a bucket. Bed. Like that doesn't sound so sinister. Like I need to go see it for myself. Like I'm I'm the big strong man. Yeah. So like I'll be safe. Don't worry about it. But he goes down and he seemingly vanishes. And so she goes down to look for him and discovers another hidden door at the back of the tunnel that opens up into just, like, 
a staircase descending even further down into the ground. But now, like, yeah, that, that staircase is, like, it's, like, hewn out of... Out of rock. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like a mine, I, almost. I absolutely love how the tunnel is shot and lit. Um, it's so they, spooky. They, they do a really great job of it, introducing how dark it is, because she opens the, you know, original... The first hidden fi- door. Hidden door, and it's just pitch black. And immediately she's like, nope. Yep. And she she fucks off for a little bit. But the curiosity gets the best of her. And she sees that there's a mirror down in the basement. And she props the mirror up uh, under the light source in the yeah. basement. At a 45. So yeah. It to, so it to shines in it. to make, sort of I, make sure. I absolutely yeah. love that. I think... Uh, Clever ingenuity. The the way they minimally light all of the tunnels is so yeah. great. Like it's very dark and unsettling and very creepy, but it's still easy to understand what's going on. Yeah, it's uh, I I would I think this is like the scariest underground tunnel I've seen in a movie since The Descent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in some cases, yeah, it's scarier. I think you know it's funny, uh, Tease for your. Uh, your last stream, you were just playing Outlast. Mm-hmm. And I think that Outlast is really relevant because I think that the design language of this movie, like, kind of fits uh, that same feeling of, like, it's all, it's largely realism, but, like, it's those those really well-designed, like, threatening abandoned spaces sure. that feel like, um, you know, where it's, like, it's a person that's stalking you, but it's the most fucked up and creepy-looking person just within the realm of believable yeah. Um, and also, like, that, that figure coming out of the shadows. Um, like, we don't... This movie doesn't have any night vision in it, but there's that... It has that kind of grain to it, like, and... There's, uh, like, a greenish tint, tint kind of. Which is interesting, because, like, she is, she's like, lighting it with, like, her iPhone flashlight, which is, like, a very bright white light. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, they kind of give it, like, almost a sort of a sickly greenish tint. It's, it's one of those things where you kind of get the idea that, like, it's sort of just, like, the way the light is reflecting off of these, like, stone walls. Yeah. And um, the sickliness of yeah. the creature, which we should talk about. Yes. Because, you know, she opens the second trap door, hidden door, and, you know, she sees the staircase and calls down to see if she can find Bill Skarsgård. And, you know, she hears him yelling up, help. Like, way help. off in the distance. Yeah. It's, like, very faint, which I think is a great little sound design trick to just be like he's down there somewhere but not close like he's far away and i i actually really appreciate how they build tess's character in these situations because it's normally a situation where you're saying this isn't the intelligent thing to do yeah, you but dumb she, you dumb idiot. Why are she you doing is this? So focused on helping mm-hmm. the people that in need in this movie that it's justifiable. Um and it doesn't feel like it's just a character making a stupid decision. Right. She's doing something she knows is dangerous and foolish out of a sense of pure altruism. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah, because, I mean, it is it is still one of those things like, no, what are you doing? Go get help. But I like that they have her calling the cops earlier after she sees the homeless guy 
because that does a really great job of setting up as like they're like going for help is not an option. Yeah. Like the cops aren't going to help you. And you know, that's more directly reinforced later in the movie. Um, it's like, yeah, choosing to not be heroic in the situation and going to get help is not really an option because there isn't help because the people who are, whose literal job it is to help you are unwilling to do so. So, I mean, like, who's... Detroit is a failed state, you know? Absolutely, yeah. So, like, there barely is authority. And we. this is a very ACAB movie, we should say. Sure. We'll, we'll talk about that a bit more later. Absolutely. But, uh, it, it makes it very clear that, you know, the authorities and the police aren't gonna... They're not there to help you. Yeah aren't there to they're help, not hel- so. there to help you but yeah so she goes down into this even deeper darker tunnel she sees like several old rusted like empty cages that like have dog food bowls in them mm-hmm. again just says so much which without just, telling yeah it's just like a it's just like a deeply threatening setting it feels so bad without there being like a, a monster or killer or whatever, which there still is in this movie, but like you, you get so much of that dread before that is even introduced. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's, there's an album of uh, pieces of art that this really strongly reminded me of. It's a series. It's like a horror story, um, like by an artist who did these like really, really fucking good horror paintings. And I can I find myself going back to them a lot. Because there's such a great reference point for, like, that Outlast kind of feel. Mm. Um, and it's called, the, the series is called The Stork. And it's about, like, ten or so paintings. Um, and it's about, like, this, this like, group that, like, storms, like, a, like a, an abandoned house. Um, where there's, like, a monster inside. And it's been, like, kidnapping children. Um, so it's like, it's like, it's like the, the, the baby stork. Yeah. I've, I've, I've seen the stork. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long time. I'd forgotten Mm -hmm. about it until you mentioned it now, but I've seen uh, those paintings. Yeah. The, uh, the artist is a Chuvabak or, uh, Oleg, uh, Vitevenko. Um, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but yeah, Oleg Vitevenko, um, I guess Polish, some kind of Eastern European, but, uh, (laughs) um, I love that. Like the, it's, it's that. It's almost black and like there's it's so devoid of color. Um, I think that's one of the really nice things about the art direction is like that tunnel. It's very intentionally like it it could be dirt, but like the it's so it's it really is like it's hewn out. Of, it feels like it's like hewn out of like a like a totally just desaturated black and white bedrock. It's gray. Yeah, it's and like even the it's like a mi- wood feel like like the dusty kind of gray. It's like a mine. No yeah. color. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, mines are still, like, deep and dark brown in the mind. Like, this is, like... Depends on the mind. black and white, almost. And it, to the degree where it almost it almost feels like, a, you know, like an old camera. Mm. Even though it's, it, is, it, it is shot in modern digital. And, and I really liked that about it. Um, and again, when you get, like, figures just out of range in the shadows, in the dark, you have, like, there's something creeping up or running at you mm-hmm. like in that darkness and it's like possibly a nude figure you're not sure um well, it's, it's the... so fucking spooky but like yeah the stork series is a really good job of showing like that and also like the the the, the, the cages that you see when she goes down to that space like you feel at the bottom of the stairs there's like weird kennel 
like cages, but it's like, oh, ah, yeah. that's a kennel for people. Yeah. But yeah, it's like it's yeah. big enough, and like we've seen the the room with the video camera in it before. It's like this is just adding to like something really, really horrible happened in this place at one point. Yeah. Or still is going and, on. Or uh, still is going on. And it's kind of both in this case. It's We're seeing, ultimately, the horrible aftermath of the horrible things that happened yeah. down here, you know? And the way they build up upon that is so great, because she goes down the stairs, and, uh, you know, she's trying to find Skarsgård, and she's struggling and getting scared down there and screaming mm-hmm. out for him. And he crawls out from the darkness. And, you know, he looks dirty and terrified. And he says something bit him and uh, to be quiet. Yeah, there's someone else down here. Yeah. We still don't completely know what is actually going on down mm-hmm. here. And then suddenly we're jolted into knowing very quickly what is going on down here. I like I like that she wants to just take him and go. Like, all right, here, come on, we got you. Let's head back this way. And he says, no, that's the direction it came from. It's going to get us. We have to We, we have, have to, to go this way. We have to yeah. go this way. And it, even, we have to go deeper into even, the tunnel. Yeah, yeah, even in that moment of, like, just the absolute worst horror or whatever, he's still being insistent. Yeah. And it's... It's just he's just being well, the and the thing worst. is too is like he's wrong he, because of he's wrong. Yeah. He's, he's wrong because the person ish that comes out of the darkness, the ghoul, the ghoul that comes out of the darkness and uh, and smashes his head to a pulp against the wall just does come from behind him so yeah. brutally too. Like this movie has been completely bloodless until that point. Yeah. It is a shocking moment. It just kicks it off with just like this absolutely gruesome scene of Bill Skarsgård getting his head pulped yeah. against the stone wall, and just smashed over and over and over again. It's about half an hour into the movie or mm-hmm. so. And I don't know about y'all, but when I first saw that, like, my jaw was on the floor. Yeah, I was just like, like oh, was well, shit. Well, because they well, so immediately cut after it to a hard black, hard cut to black, and then come in with a, like a pop song from the 60s. Uh, yeah, with, and, ju- with Justin Long driving down like uh, California Scenic Highway 1 or whichever that is that runs right along the coast in a convertible singing along to this like goofy <laughs> pop song yeah. from like the 60s or 70s. And it's just like, it's such a jarring tonal shift immediately to a completely different setting, a completely different character that we haven't been introduced to at all at this point. It's like the movie just takes a hard left turn and it's just like, what the fuck, what the fuck is happening? Well, I like this. The song is interesting too, because like it uses like a stoat or like some kind of like small rodent. I forget what kind, um, some sort of varmint. Uh, as a as a metaphor for like making your way through life, and it's talking about like oh the church, the government, school or whatever. But I learned how to hunt them myself, and shit like that. And it is it's a very like masculine like predatory. Yeah. It's a song about like about being a predator, almost you know. But like it has that veneer of like a a, a '60s friendly family like kind of song you know? yeah well and then it's 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 interrupted by justin long getting 
a phone call in which like his agents or something tell him that he is being accused of rape by one of his co-stars on this TV pilot that he's they just shot. He's yeah, he's he's getting me too. It's really cool because as much as that that concept has taken the minds of pop culture and like is so like deeply ingrained in like current like popular conversation, <laughs> it's so talked about we never see this specific angle, and, and that's what I really liked about well, yeah, it. it made... And that's what made it feel not feel tired. Is um, it's we see him entering a call with the producers of a show he's working on, and them putting the news down and being like, "We're probably not going to be working with you going forward," and shit like that. You, as the viewer, are supposed to be almost sitting like in his shoes. Yeah. In that scene, and I really like that about it. Well, that's why I it made me give it a little bit of a side eye at first because Same. when that angle is just sort of dropped in your lap so abruptly and sort of the way they approach his character for like the next 10 minutes of the movie or so, yeah. I was kind of like are they doing like an like an angry like right-wing cancel culture kind of rant? Like, are they going to say that he's, like, falsely accused of sexual misconduct by this? Like, is he, is his life being ruined for no reason? Yeah, I mean, I think, especially seeing it a second time, I think they do a decent job of, you know, emphasizing from the jump that he's kind of a buffoonish, oblivious sort of dum-dum character. I think that helps with some of that. Yeah, no, I I think you're absolutely right, because, like, he appears shocked at the allegations, which is what, it's like, he was like, what? No, I I didn't rape her. Like, what are you talking about? So it's like, I'm like, oh, are they trying to say he's been falsely accused? But yeah, then they do a lot of work to... Especially when the framing puts you in his shoes. Yeah. Yeah. So directly... It puts you, like, in his perspective, and you start, you see for, like, the next ten minutes, like, how his life and his world is collapsing around him because of it. (laughs) Like, his, his wealth manager or whatever drops him. And tells him, like, he has three months before he goes bankrupt, Before you're bankrupt, essentially. Yeah. It's like, or, yeah, like, you're not... his current spending. Yeah. yeah. And also, like, what your legal fees are going to be from the charges of the original suit, and then also your counter suit. And he's like, well, you know, you could hold off bankruptcy a couple of months, like, if you sell your properties in Michigan. And... So that's where it starts to tie into the story that we've seen before. It turns out that he is the owner of this house. He owns several properties in Michigan that he pays a realty company to run as Airbnbs for him. I love the idea of like a C-list actor buying a bunch of real estate properties in a fucking city like detroit yeah well he's he's we he is from there yeah because like when he goes back he's talking to his parent his mom on the phone and she's like oh you know you're only a few hours flight from from michigan like when are you coming home to see us and he doesn't tell them that he's actively in michigan yeah just like i does see his friend right well and then that's where we that's where like well it is Perfectly it's so done. it's so perfectly done. Like he calls his friend. Well, because he gets off the phone with his parents, 
And so, like, there's a certain decorum that comes with that. And even then, like, he's kind of blowing him off a little bit. Well, yeah, he says he's he's getting Wait, another what? he's getting another call, and yeah, he's like, call. and he's like, oh, mom, I gotta go. I'm getting a business call right yeah. now. And he picks up the phone, and you're gonna have to bleep me out. He just straight up just like it gets so good. It's like this whole time we're just about to be <laughs> you brought have the around right to say it. Yeah, yeah. You're, you can I, say it. You're I, you're queer. I know, I know. Like I can, but still, whatever. But like he's he's on the phone. I gotta I gotta take this business call. We're just about to totally believe him because every time he's like, of course it's not true. You know, whatever well, he else takes like that. several so other business that, calls you know, before it. Yeah, yeah. and he's, he, he, you can see like the anger in his voice for like being accused as well, and like you really are almost like brought along, on, almost are brought along on the fact that like if it isn't true, he's being his entire life is being fucked over. Right. right? Good lord! Like what? What could it be? Like that happens. You know who knows? And then like he picks up his other call off of his parents, and he's just like, "What's up, faggot?" You know, like right on there. And it's like, guess, Whoa, guess dude. who's guess yeah. who's back in town? And I love the there's just this like from the entire theater, like all the people there, like just a big audible, "Whoa!" Like everyone was just like, "Oh, dude!" Like it, I fucking laughed my ass off. Yeah, because it's funny as shit. Because it's like, yeah, he's a he's a shitty bro. He's a bro. It's like yeah, yeah and like and I love how like that's the reveal on the twist, right? Like that this he's, guy he's is, a he's a bro who's never grown out. Out of the mid 2000s yeah yeah and well, like, he's, yeah he's, he's so regressive that like oh and it's like and that's the where you that's the moment where you know oh he did do he well, did and then they he's follow oblivious. it they follow yeah. it right up with cutting to him at a bar with his friend and they're both very drunk and the friend is like hey look man so listen like i've read the internet report like i've read what the internet has to say but like you're my bro like i'll believe whatever you say regardless but like i need to hear it like from your mouth like what happened yeah, like, yeah, and then justin long tells this like rambling drunk version he's like well i mean yeah, we fucked, you know, but like it wasn't rape, and like the He's the like, friend she took some convincing. <laughs> well, yeah, and the friend and the I, friend I was is like, insistent, and the friend's like, like she, she was like once once we got past those like. You know, well, like, the friend asks, that, like, what, well, what, did she say, like, no? And he's like, well, I mean, yeah, like, at first, you know, but, like, I, I'm a persistent dude, you know, so, like, you know, I, I, you know, I didn't give up, and, like, well, what, like, once we got into it, like, she was dead, like, she was really into it, you know, and it's like, ah, oh, uh, okay, there we go. okay, so this is, like, yeah, his, he's indignant about it because he truly does believe that he did nothing wrong, but also, the allegations are 100% correct. And, <laughs> like, and what's, <laughs> even, what's even worse is, like, when he finishes up that evening, he goes back to the B- the Airbnb, and he drunk calls her. Yeah. And yeah. to leave a message. And he says, like, hey, you know, it, it's really... Like, sorry, really if sorry. I, sorry if I did anything to offend you, you that night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, it's really just a matter of perception. We have like, different versions of reality. Yeah, every every like story... Everyone has different versions yeah. of reality. Every yeah. story has multiple perspectives, like, oh you know? God. It's like, Jesus Christ, it's you awful. fucking absolute, like, weird slime ball. Yeah, and it's clear that he's oblivious to the point where he doesn't even think he really did anything absolutely yeah. you know i think having such an oblivious character is so important going into the other dichotomy of sexual predator that we see uh later in the movie mm-hmm. yeah just kind of having those two confront each other yeah is uh really interesting um i i do want to go back really quick to the introduction of his character because i think the tonal shift 
from like the pure horror of seeing Skarsgård getting killed into that scene is so confidently done Mm -hmm. uh, in a way that I don't really see often in movies nowadays in that like oftentimes when you have especially in modern horror when you have a very scary scene you have breathing room in that scene to decompress there's after yes yeah yeah and we're because this one cuts so hard into a completely different tone and this is a move that this movie does multiple times Mm -hmm. um it also does it later in the movie I think it leaves you in such a state of shock and awe. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it is it is really shocking to go from, like, this horrifying underground tunnel dungeon where you're watching a man get his skull crushed against a wall. By some weird goblin. In, in Michigan. Yeah, in underground in a house in Michigan to cut to very obviously, like, California. Yeah. Like beautiful highway by the sea, sunny California. California in you know a convertible driving down say, the highway. It's like it's it's would... so it's like it, the the thought that comes into your head is like how can these two things possibly the be? The thing related? I love about it though is I feel like it's such a comedy sensibility. Absolutely, right in that you set up a joke and you might give a hint of a punchline. And go to the next thing, and then by the end, tie it all together into a big final punchline. Yeah. You know, you're building all of these pieces up to knock them down later. And I really like it for that. I will say I think there's an argument to be made for being significantly blue-balled in that sequence. I was just like, oh, my horror balls! Oh, sure. no, I really wanted to do whatever the, the spooky equivalent of a nut is. Like, sure, you know, but I, you did. I, I was like, where's the... Like, we, you just did this incredible job of teasing me. Like, with this dungeon, with this, like, really spooky hallway, with this incredible aesthetic, and this this creature just came out of the darkness and just, like, bashed in Skarsgård's head. What's going on here? And, oh, I gotta wait another, like, 15 to 20 minutes to yes. find out what is going on there. And I'm like, Yes, ah! but, yes, and it's but. Worth it. It's worth it. That's, it's the, worth that's it. it. Yeah. You, yeah. Get, you get your spooky nut later. Yes. It's, it's a very confident <laughs> you get move. You get your spooky nut later. Yeah. Like, the, sure. the, the edging but analogy, edging. the edging analogy you made earlier is accurate. Yes. But it's gr- it's good for the same reason that edging well, is. Yeah, because bringing you, is especially good at the Because end. bringing you so You're close waiting. to that brink and then taking it away. Way yeah. only to work you back up to it when you, <laughs> when you not later, it, then it's so much better. It allows the movie to maintain an underlying sense of tension, even in you know scenes that seem at first disparate. To go back to Justin Long's uh, obliviousness that continues in such a funny way is that he does because like Bill Skarsgård and uh, and Tess's stuff is still in the in his house and like. Yeah. You know, he calls the the realty company is like, what the he's fuck? So like, he's like, I mean, that's one of the cases where I think he's kind of justified in his like, what the fuck? Well, is he's like, justified in his yeah. what the fuckery, but like the person on the other side of the line has no agency over any of that shit. They're just working their job. Well, the funny thing, too, is be, like, be, be nice to people on service calls. Sure. Well, it's, it's clear they're... that they are kind of hostile towards him as well. You know, we see the secretary you know, very kind of passive aggressively be like, Oh, we we heard you were coming. Yeah, right. Because like 
those allegations against him were made very publicly. Public, yeah. So, like, people know about know it. Who like, he it's is, a public yeah. thing. Like, that's one of the big things about the situation. It's like, you can't, like, communicate with people like you would before because things are much different for him so but um when he's investigating he does go into the basement and finds the the hidden tunnel and everything but instead of being horrified like tess was when she discovered it (laughs) he has like the same path of discovery that she does too like almost exactly like he finds the first hidden door then he finds the room that has like the camera and the bed in it then he finds like the staircase that leads down so on and so forth but instead of being like whoa something weird and horrible are happening has in happened house. in my house yeah. is because i guess get sort of the implication right with like the bed and the camera and like the bloody hamper and the walls like, what so else like, would it be yeah it's like oh my god like what someone's like shooting snuff films yeah. here like that's but the he, most horrifying fucking thing what he immediately does is he goes back upstairs and gets on his computer and googles whether hidden rooms in your basement will count towards the square footage of your house because he's wanting to get as much money as possible for selling this house he's trying to liquidate his assets so more square footage equals more money so he's immediately like well can i add all of this square footage to the listing and he gets a tape measure and he's just like measuring the passageway and the the snuff film room, and he starts measuring down the stairs into like the well, tunnel. He's like moment, measuring. Like, a, he like finds the cages. He's like, "What the fuck, dude?" And then he starts like measuring yeah. around them. <laughs> like he's so focused only on the yeah, square that footage. Scene is absolutely hilarious. It's so I'm funny. An extra he's like so totally. He he's like lawsuit. totally oblivious. Yeah. Like. Like, this, what he's seeing is, like, proof that fucking people were kept in this, like, subterranean torture dungeon. And but he's he like, just, yeah, they're like, probably not here anymore. And he just, well, like, they're, here. yeah, they're not I, here anymore now, I, so I, whatever. I really like that when he's measuring, like, the snuff film room, like, after, like, he, he gets the square footage of it. And he thinks, at that moment, he thinks that he's, he's measured it all. Because he hasn't found the secret door yet. And he, um... He briefly sits down on the mattress for a moment and pulls out his phone to, like, calculate the square footage and then kind of realizes what he's sitting on. He's like, oh, uh, maybe I should sit down. (laughs) I love that. It's a really tiny bit, but that's super fun. And then, of course, he then finds the stairs. And I I love that because, like, once he's measured that space, then he finds the stairs going all the way down. And we think, like, okay, now is he going to, like you know, take this extra seriously. It's like, nope, he's still at it with the measuring. He's nope, gonna, he's measuring he's like, down oh, the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. Nine feet. He, like, he like hooks the measuring tape on, like, the door frame and is just, like, going down the stairs backwards, just measuring, and just, like, keeps going and going. And he gets farther than what we've seen at this point so far, and he finds, like, a, a real room that is, like, it's, like, purple lit, and there's, like gross sheets and like stuff on the floor newspaper. and there's like a yeah it's like the paper sheets that like a character like the oh human, yeah like the pl- plastic, plastic sheets the yeah human equivalent of a rat nest yeah and there's just a tv like a little tiny playing a vhs of like a breastfeeding video yeah like, like a like a baby. like a postnatal like breastfeeding video i love the production design in that room it's Ugh. so gross you know yeah. he he mentions how it stinks 
And it's one of those things where he barely even has to mention it because it just looks it like looks it stinks. It looks like it stinks, yeah. And uh, they they did an excellent job well, in that. What I like is during the lead-up of the movie, like, they wait until the main character feels, like, relatively safe for them to, like, drop Barbarian. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, the title text for it. And it's one of those things where it's, like, the background is black, but through the letters, you can see, like, that pink wall foreshadowed with, like, flies and, like, landing on it. Roaches, like, yeah. Roaches crawling, yeah, like, bugs crawling. And it's, like, it's like just enough to, like, something like this is coming so well the opening the cool thing too is like the opening shot of the film like comes up from the street to the house like it's coming up from underground underground. and then like the car pulls up and like as the the camera is moving in on the car that tess is in like as part of the score you can hear like lots of voices of like screaming and crying and wailing and then it like goes through the window into the car and it just, like, cuts that off. Yeah. It's, uh, you guys but I got love... the double entendre of Barbarian, right? Because it's on Barbary Street? Barbary Street, yeah. yeah okay. I did catch yeah. that, yeah. yeah. Once again, we're Barbara-anning. We got the Barb... Barbara-ann. Yeah. Barbary. <laughs> yeah. And it's in Barbary Street. Barbary. Um, is that where the term barbarian comes from the people of barbary barbarous acts is uh another oh yeah i guess barbarous would be the root of that but what is bar is where does barbarous come from i don't know barbed because bar because barbary is like a place i think i want to say it's like in it's like a region of, of yeah, but I think there's also a Barbary in France. I don't... I'm talking out of my ass. I, I'm... Etymology Hagger is... the horrible. A, etymology is an interesting <laughs> rabbit hole to yeah. fall um, down. It's yeah. too easy to trip into that I, hole uh, for me. For sure. I, I, who knows? I love the VHS tape of the maternity stuff, Your Baby and You, because mm-hmm. it's really unsettling seeing just a nursing mom in something this... that's supposed to be like wholesome yeah. you know in yeah. this setting yeah and it's something that feels so wrong i also love how the tape measure turns into a piece of the horror uh when you know after he looks into the room something starts pulling on the tape measure right uh and uh and so he drops it yeah and it gets pulled off into the darkness and uh it recontextualizes it in a great way. I, I really love that. Well, yeah, then he, he starts getting chased by the the goblin woman. Um, yeah, he has a flashlight, and it starts flickering, mm-hmm. and you get this great sequence of it almost strobing as she comes closer. Yeah, very spooky. It's almost a classic horror trope, but, like, done so well yeah. in this movie where yeah. it's legitimately horrifying. Very, yeah, very honestly. scary. Yeah. Um, barbarian, uh, the etymology of it is Middle English uh, as an adjective used in a derogatory way to denote a person with different speech and customs. Oh, interesting. born out of xenophobia. It's just xenophobia yeah. distilled. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, so oh. a barbarian is just a, 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 foreign, a scary foreigner. How about that? Yeah. But, I mean, barbarous acts. Yeah. You know, like, well, it is acts. it is fun in this movie that the house is on Barbary Street, so if you live on Barbary Street, you're a barbarian. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. But, yeah. yeah, so he's running, and he falls into, like, a pit, 
and like a grate is immediately closed on top yeah, of it. We see her her slam it on him. Yeah, yeah she slant the the goblin woman slams it on him, and it's uh, big. and yeah, she's like, well, I I was actually surprised because I thought that that was surely played by a tall, skinny horror creature monster actor, uh, Javier Botet. Who plays the uh, the scary girl at the end of Wreck, which right. we did recently, yeah, yeah. and was also Mama in Mama, and was the Xenomorph in Alien Covenant. Basically, anytime the film industry needs an unnaturally tall, skinny person to be a monster, they call Javier. He's not it. He's that's not who it was. I could have sworn it was, but uh, he's not in this. But yeah, it is um, very much that same. Uh, but it, yeah, she's it is, it she's is very the same monster from Rex. She, yeah, she's very tall. She's like she's like seven feet tall. She fills the tunnel unnaturally skinny. Hanging titties. Hanging titties. Uh, a hag. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, the yeah. Blair, the Blair Witch, you, you, uh, a babbling hag. You, you, you've encountered yeah. this creature if you've played The Witcher. You know, like it's yeah, it's it's a it's a big. It's a big, scary, but old lady, but strong with titties. Well, I will out. say it is evocative of a lot of other creatures. You know, it even reminded me in some respects of like the the creatures in the people under the stairs. People under example. the stairs or the descent. Um, but I think the actual design and texture of the costume of it. Mm-hmm is done super well. Oh, yeah. You know, it feels very visceral and gross. And, like, you get the greasy strands of her mm-hmm. hair. It, it's the, one of those f- things... the fingernails. Yeah. yeah. Um, what I really love. Yeah, it's one of those examples of, like, where you don't need to do something original for it to be... Still effectively scary. Or just, or just fascinating or mm-hmm. entertaining or whatever. Like yeah, to be good, to be quality, it doesn't need to be. Wholly I mean, it's, original. it's it's classic Uncanny Valley, right? Like it's something that looks like a human, but is just wrong enough that it's horrifying. It's like people are not supposed to be that tall and thin. Most people are not. So seeing something like that, especially in such a horrifying environment, is inherently scary because it has hallmarks of humanity, but also otherness, which. Again, that makes the title barbarian uh, apropos, I think, kind of. Um, But a lot of that stuff comes later. He really just falls into the pit. She slams it shut. And then we see Tess come out of the darkness and, like, cover his mouth and, like, shh. And then it does the same thing, and it hard cuts. Well, the thing I love about that, too, is when we go through with Justin Long's character, AJ... It's implied that this is a couple weeks later. Yeah, because uh, the when... the real the realtor says uh, the last booking was like two weeks ago. Yeah, so we assume that she's probably dead. Of course. Yeah. So after what we've seen. Yeah. So seeing her there in that scene is such a shock. And it does such a great job. It's like, whoa, she's still alive. It's like, whoa, she's been surviving down here for two weeks. Whoa, awful. But then it cuts to an exterior of the house in the past with a nice 
manicured lawn all the houses around it are you know not abandoned it's still like very suburban america yeah a man comes out of the house gets in the car he turns on the radio they're immediately talking about ronald reagan so we know okay this is in the 80s i love how it shifts from widescreen to four by three for that sequence yeah like, i don't know if you guys know i did. legitimately did not even yeah, catch I, did. That. I, caught that I was yeah. so was i was great. so focused on what was happening in the movie that i did not catch the aspect literally have tunnel vision. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah totally and yeah. that whole speaks to the quality of the film mm-hmm. that whole sequence is like almost entirely steady cam tracking shots behind characters Mm -hmm. which i loved how that whole sequence was shot the production design is spot on Mm -hmm. very you know 1980 manicured Um, (laughs) everything is manicured american uh, suburbia yeah yeah Yeah, and so we get the backstory of the The original original owner. owner well we get backstory is generous maybe we i think we get everything we need without it being over explained we really see everything we need to just from a couple of simple actions. We see him going to the store and he's buying baby stuff and, and plastic sheets. Plastic sheets. The plastic sheets yeah. that we see on the floor in the purple yep. room. And diapers and latex gloves and all of this shit. And, you know, the woman who's at the store helping him is like, oh, uh, how old's the baby? He's like, oh, it hasn't come yet. She's like, oh, are you going to such and such hospital? And he's like, no, home birth. And it's like, oh. Uh, do you have a midwife? Yeah, do you have a midwife? You should have a list for all this stuff. Well, here, I know what you need. And she gets him all the right stuff. And, you know, he takes it out to his car. As he's getting in the car, he sees a woman across the street getting in her car. We see him follow her home. Out of his trunk, he pulls, like, a pair of, like, work coveralls, like, workman's coveralls goes and knocks on her door says he's from like the water company or something you know checking such and such whatever as an excuse to get into her bathroom and he unlocks the bathroom window can i just say sees himself out yeah yeah yeah, i love yeah i love how casually he does it too yeah like there's it's like kind of a backhanded smack you know like just kind of like quickly like get open the the window and then like shuts off the sink again and walks right back out of the house and it's it's so it's so like kind of horrifyingly like efficient, mm-hmm. you know, and like confident. It's practiced exactly, and like ooh, yeah, and, like that's so yeah. awful about it. And like he just he's he's so good at what he does, and he, you know and knows I, exactly how to be a predator. But what's so amazing production design wise is like her her entire house, um, at least the bottom floor of it, like and the whole kitchen area is fully like decked out in period. Like, yeah, where? it's period accurate. Like, the yeah. period fridge, the period microwave, the period all of it, like, shiny, Mad Men-esque, you know, because, I mean, it's the 80s, but, like, it's all, like, 1950s, sure. like, appliances. And a lot of attention to detail so for, much like, yeah. such a, for a, for such a brief second, we're just scene, crossing yeah. through the house, in and out. Like, mm-hmm. you're not, don't think about it, just, to, just so that we feel like we're in that scene, and it's so... Like, so little attention is placed onto anything. Like, so often in period pieces, or when there's, like, a period sequence, the filmmakers are are so justifiably proud of their production's design Mm -hmm. that they can't help but show it off. And it takes a lot of confidence and mastery to just, like, quickly pass through it. That's not what the movie's about. No, it's not about that, but it's still there. And, and like, like, someone took the time to make a 
gorgeous, gorgeous, yeah. like period accurate yeah, yeah. in there. And I, I just, I, I'll always think that shit, shit is neat. I, I find it fascinating the same way that like it's fascinating when like in Akira, like we we breeze past an alleyway that's completely illustrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like every trash bag has like shining little lights on it, and there's all this stuff, and there's all this information. Like well, yeah, a the best amount of detail. The best attention to detail is stuff that the consumer is never going to notice. Yes, but they feel. But they, but they, but yeah. they no, subconsciously they recognize yeah. it in the authenticity of it, even yeah. if they don't, don't notice the specific details. And often it can be like good film scoring in that sense, where like you, you almost don't want them to. You don't want to break the spell. Yeah, like it's important. You want it's immersion. I mean, world. that's good craftsmanship. Yeah, like it's that's, it's good craftsmanship. And it's uh, it, it's also not uh, it's very humble craftsmanship, and that's mm-hmm. something I admire about it in particular. Is like. It's not trying to show itself off. It's not. It's not pretentious yeah, or it's flashy. It's for you. It's yeah. for you, like experiencing the world, you know. And like it's it's done out of love, even if it isn't seen, you know. And I, and I I'll always appreciate it. What I what I appreciate about that whole sequence too is that for a film that is as gruesome and sleazy as it is we don't see him like coming back to the house that night to abduct this woman or whatever it's like everything is implied in him lying his way into the house and unlocking the bathroom window we know exactly what his intentions are we don't need to see that later and it's like that what it does is like he just goes back home we follow him into the house with like his groceries. He goes to the basement door at the end of the hall, opens it. As it opens, we hear a woman screaming, and he steps inside and closes it, and it cuts. It's like, yeah, that's everything we need well, to know. The, that's the, everything we need to know. The great part of that whole sequence is, like I said, it has a lot of backstory, but it never feels like exposition. You know, it, it never is, feels it is explicitly not exposition. Yeah, it's yeah. never overly explanatory. He has a quick conversation with his neighbor before he goes into the house. Yeah, and the oh, neighbor yeah, yeah. is talking about moving because, as he says, the neighborhood is going to hell, and it's essentially just a white flight. Yeah, if um, we don't if we don't leave now, we don't know if we'll be able to next year. So we're selling the house and getting out. Yeah. And he asks him, he's like, hey, are, are you thinking about selling? And the guy's just like, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. It's my home. And, uh, yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Like, it says so much about the things that are going on in this house without explicitly telling us anything yeah. of what's going on. We fill in the gaps in our head. Well, yeah, and- I mean, we we recognize that this is the man who has literally dug a fucking cavernous tunnel he's, deep he's in, essentially he's like deep joseph the fritzel yeah like yes yes exactly yeah uh, kind of a a a, a, a diy hh holmes you know yeah like he is dug out he's, he is literally dug in He's not going anywhere. Yes. He's literally dug in. And it's like, that is the extent of that flashback. After that, it cuts back to Justin Long and Tessa in the basement and is, for the most part, I'd say relatively straightforward from there to the end. Um, You know, we get several other good reveals and, I mean, moments of fantastic horror. Like, the scene immediately after that when Tessa or Tess is trying to tell him, like, you need to calm down. Don't get upset 
because it'll make her upset. If you stay calm, she'll be calm. And we get that absolutely awesome scene. I love the way it's shot of the bottle being lowered down into the... Yeah, because her, it her looks hair is so also coming down. Yeah, yeah, you, you can't like, see much. Like, you see her hair come down through the grate, and you see, like, her long, spindly arm with these just absolutely disgusting, wretched, nasty. talon-like nails holding, like, this big bottle full of milk with, like, a like an old rubber nipple just on it. Just disgusting. Yeah, okay. just, like, holding it down to them in this pit. And Tessa's like, do you understand? Like, just drink it. She thinks you're her baby. She wants you to be her baby. So just pretend to be her baby. And he's like, no, what the fuck? This is, like, this is horrifying and gross and, and disgusting. And, and, like, and I love how it, it slowly pivots over to her and she goes for it. You know, she, 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 uh. Well, yeah, she's been living she down to, here for two weeks. Yeah, like, probably like, surviving off of that. Off of, off is, of the milk that this horrible goblin woman has been giving to her. Yeah. And it's probably breast milk too. I know, just wretched. Oh. And and I I really love how like cuz we can't see like the 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 monster's face in the scene. Yeah. It's just the hand. Um which is plenty. It's so well well done. Um yeah, it's just but, this arm and hand coming out of the darkness above. Yeah. And it's so well after, shot and scary. After she uh she she sups from the delicious creature milk. Um I uh, the creature uh, milk. The creature, yeah, literally milking the creature. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, the the hand uh, pull, pulls back away, and it kind of waggles the milk. Like, come on, you know. And yeah. I, I love, I love that. Like, there's a, it's, it's almost funny, you know. Like, yeah. wiggling the milk in front of them, you know. It, it reminds me of like the. All, all the the goofing around like the blue milk and all of that like it's just in, it's so in funny Star Wars yeah, yeah. and uh, but it's it's great it's just almost funny but it's just, it's so wretched and again the texture on that like old rubber nipple that's just like absolutely and, well, it's, you can see it's got milk. the it's got hair stuck to it yeah like it has some of her like gross greasy stringy black hair like on the nipple yeah it's like. Well, and it's so horrifying with the context of the last couple scenes where we both see uh, the purple room with the nursing video Mm -hmm. as well as him buying the nursing stuff. Right, he buys the video. Yeah, he buys the video. So the implication that you go into with that scene is this creature has been living down here stuck watching this tape over and over again and just desperately wants a baby a baby because that's the only thing it understands because that's the only it's the literally the only reference to the outside world that it has yeah yeah which is horrifying well and it makes because noises it's just like oh fuck awful awful. and and because justin long won't drink from the bottle she opens up the grate and drags him out and drags him back to that room and forcibly breastfeeds him because he wouldn't drink from the bottle is absolutely wretched and horrifying (laughs) because like it's it's so strong you know, that it can yeah. just, like, force him down and hold him down and force him to breastfeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, the way, like, it, it also, like... And, and you would think, like, okay, is he gonna bite? You know, like, what's he gonna do to try and resist? Because he's not having any of it. And, it, and like, they show her, like, with her nasty clawed hands, like, oh, pinning his mouth open. 
Yeah. You know, and like holding it so that he has to breastfeed. Awful. Absolutely wretched. So nasty. Yeah. Terrifying. The Sicko makeup is September, so good. baby. Sicko fucking September. Sicko Bring September it on. in full effect. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Uh, keep it coming. Yeah. Um, more creature milk, uh, please. Yeah. And I love that uh, Tess uses this as a chance to escape, right? Yeah. She tries to run back upstairs. The tape measure gets in her way because it's uh, on the floor and she steps on it and it makes a noise and that's what alerts the creature. The creature. Well, she does get out though, narrowly. Narrowly. Narrowly she does because she does run and make it out to the basement but the, the door is locked again but she smashes the window and is crawling out and the creature is right about to grab her when the homeless man from earlier reappears and grabs her did and pulls him? her out. Yes, we did. Okay, we did. Yeah. We talked about the homeless man. Yeah. Um and, and pulls her out like and we see the the creature like reaching out of the window after her to grab her and then retreats back into the darkness like a vampire. That like a character has yeah. its own yeah, <laughs> it really is like a vampire. That homeless guy has its own his own sort of misdirect because, you know, when we immediately see him, you know, he's chasing after He's like sprinting. He's a figure coming like out of the darkness. sprinting yeah. Yeah, in, her. In yeah. scary Detroit saying, don't go in that house. And like the no, way he's... No, saying, saying, get out of that house. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, we assume he's a scary he's, Yeah, we assume he's like trying to... Well, the way he says like, don't go in that house is he's saying it like, like stay out of this house because I'm gonna sexually assault you. Like, yeah. like that's the that's like, the impression from at the beginning. But really, like he's saying, like, yo, no, there, he's like, that's, no, there's a ghoul in the basement. Yeah, there's a, there's a creature there. in the house. Stay out. I wish he'd just said that. But, well, yeah, you know. I mean, it's the typical horror thing, where he's like, he's like yeah, is all he would have to do is be like, ma'am, I'm not trying to hurt you. The house is dangerous. Please don't go in there. Yeah, it's like if he just used his words a little bit, but then but, we wouldn't have the movie. But right? also, like, yeah, like he's he's also like a strong out homeless dude. Like, you right, know, his of course. Yeah, his, she, his vocabulary, she be, like you know, he's he, he's doing his best, and she would be nervous around him regardless. I yeah. I love the scene once she escapes. The homeless guy warns her, you know, consider yourself lucky you got out, yeah. even though she wants to go and save AJ. Yeah, um, and I I like I like the motivation here because yeah, it's really fucking stupid to want to go back into that house, especially after like we've seen who this guy is. You know, as viewers, but like, she hasn't. Yeah, it's like it's like she the... doesn't know him at all. Exactly. So like, it's it's he's very just heroic. some other hapless fool who has stumbled into the nightmare yeah. scenario that she yeah. has as well. And it's altruistic, but also from she her wouldn't perspective, be able to, she wouldn't be able to live with herself it, if she just left him. It would give her an opportunity to redeem herself from Skarsgård. Sure. Even though she isn't at fault for that, she would feel like she is. Sure. And so, like, you know, like she could still save him. She understands the environment. She was its baby for two weeks. She knows, like, that she can, you know, Well, I love as well that she goes to the gas station down the street and calls the cops and has a patrol car come down there, and she tries to tell them what happened, and they just basically ignore her they think they think that she's just another crazy homeless person because she's dirty and disheveled because she's been in a dungeon for two weeks and she doesn't have any id they don't believe her at all so she has to take matters into her own hands fucking a cab man 
And importantly, too, because her hitting the tape measure makes a sound and her the creature comes after her in her escape, that gives Justin Long his chance to escape and run deeper into the, the catacombs. Before that, uh, I do want to mention when Tess is talking to the homeless guy, he warns her that, you know, there is much worse in the house yeah. than that creature. She's not even the worst thing in there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's like, you can't be here at night because at night she comes out of the house and she's going to she's going to come, be coming after you. Yeah. Um, but there's worse in there. Footnote on that. Yeah. Um, well, we see what the quote unquote worse is pretty shortly thereafter. Um, cause, uh, Justin Long goes deeper into the, the tunnel and finds another room. Well, before he goes in, what I, I, there is another one of the creepiest moments in the movie when he's like outside this door that he's found and he like hears the ghoul woman like in the distance behind him and he has that moment where he's like back up against the door and he has like the flashlight and we see her just kind of like slowly come just barely into the light that you can see her like this sort of horrible pale ghoulish shape appearing out of the darkness that's the most like the stork thing i was talking it's so it's so subtle because she never comes fully into the light like you can see that there's that shape there on the edge of the darkness and then she kind of stands there for a second and then just like retreats back i love the the implication of it too because this is a room that she is horrified by yeah she she doesn't she doesn't want to enter there yeah yeah and uh there's so much said there in the implication and he goes in the room and it's this weird like bedroom of sorts um, yeah, like dug out of the rock, just like the tunnel, and there's like a bed, and they're on like one wall. There's like like a, a sort of like a beach scene, like wallpapered yeah. with like a palm tree and yeah. like waves and stuff. But there's like empty cans all over the floor. As soon as he goes in, he like immediately covers his nose, so yeah. you know that it just like reeks in there, and. It's revealed that the original owner of the house, who we seen earlier, has is still alive. He's been living down there in this room for however many years, and it's like he's evil parasite. Yeah, and he's just got he's got this collection of VHS tapes that just have like names or just like descriptions. Yeah, right implying that like some of the women he's kidnapped, like he didn't. He even doesn't even them. know their names. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's there's just blonde or redhead from gas station. There's one. Or, there's one that's just pregnant. There's uh, one that says puking. Puking. Oh, oh, just yeah. There's wretched. like gas Puker. station. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, gas station redhead, and it's like. Justin Long, like, puts in one of the tapes, and we don't see what's on it, but we know. You know what it reminds me of is when they find the tapes in True Detective? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, that same thing where, like, you just see the actors, like, look. The reaction to it. Yeah, And, like, that's all you need. Because you don't need to see see what's on on those tapes. But you, you mentioned it earlier, Ben, where, like, this character who we know has raped a woman is now confronted with a much more 
Essentially a Joseph Fritzl yeah, character. Yeah, a, a much, like a much more locking people up in his basement. A much more graphic and monstrous uh, depiction of still the same thing. Mm-hmm. And and he has a moment. He's like, "What the fuck is wrong with you, dude?" And it's like there's still just that total lack of self awareness. It's like, my man, you are also a rapist. Like you have not kidnapped women and kept them in a dungeon in your house but you did rape a woman like you're well it's like like super far removed from this monster that you've stumbled across Mm -hmm. but he's still like he's the the man the man is is old and infirm and can't even speak and he just like pulls a revolver out of the the bedside table and shoots himself well i i love how that's set up right because AJ, Justin Long's character, is talking about, uh, we're going to get out. No, I'm going to get out. And uh, I'll call the I'll get help. This place and... is going to be swarming with with police yeah. in no time. That's before he's, like, watched the tapes. He thinks that this guy is, like, trapped yeah. down here like and he was. To me, it seems clear that the guy shot himself because he because thought the, the cops, cops are coming. Yeah. yeah. He's, like, he's obviously very old and very ill as well and, like, near death. He's and... constantly, like, hacking. Yeah, he can't, he can't even really speak. Like, his face is just, like, covered in he's mucus. Drooling. Yeah, like, drool and mucus. It's like, he's... He's obviously not doing well. And yeah, he's like, Justin Long says, before you know it, like, cops will be all over this place. So he's like, well, okay. Takes out the gun and shoots himself. We should talk about this. So, like, I know you guys were talking about how when the the homeless guy says there's much worse down in that basement than that creature, Mm -hmm. you guys were almost expecting more. But yeah. I think this guy is fucking more like I mean, forty yes. years worth of you know kidnapping women and holding them down in his face. His, his crimes and what he's done are definitely worse. There's just an expectation when a character in a movie says like, "Oh yeah, that monster you've you've nearly avoided being killed by is not the worst thing that's down there." You expect. A, a worse active threat to the characters, and this not a old, settled this, man issues himself. This and character, like, this uh, character is not really that. Yes, academically, he, yes, he, he is, is worse. He is worse. Yes, yes. of course. But, but, but like when it comes to like like academically, he is worse. But when it comes to like sitting down and watching a popcorn movie where like there's scary monsters and I'm he, I've signed up for horror. And I want I want horror, and I'm told there's worse monsters. Down I'm expecting there. to see a worse I monster. I want to see some more worse monsters that's attacking. And again, like, yeah. does does there need to be? No, no, not really. It's not. It's not really it, a complaint. It's. It was kind of. It's what I would consider kind of a false expectation. Yeah, there's there's but no it's, fat on this movie. Like yeah. it's and it, it's a. Am damn I really flying upset about it? No, no. Like would am I, I am would I, really I want a little more no. fat on that steak? Personally, yes. Is that the movie's fault? No, that's well, why. I think the implication is too like the homeless guy is not going in the house. Obviously, right? So he doesn't he is really far away. Know. So it's a thing of fable and myth, right? You know, tall and I think tale going around the neighborhood. And I think there's kind of a question of like, how does he know any of this stuff to begin with? No, whatever, watching. not Urban not not worth. Yeah, not thing, not know? worth yeah. not I worth think... dissecting. Like um, but. You know, like, he he does uh, straight up in some of the most, like, direct exposition we get later, 
um, when they meet him again is like, yeah, that dude was kidnapping women and taking them down there and having babies with them. And then he was having babies with the babies and then having babies with those babies. So that of a copy of a copy, a copy of a copy. copy. So that's what that's, that's how this like unnaturally strong, tall skinny goblin woman came to be it's got it's that just, lip. yeah yeah exactly yeah so it's like when he's saying something like that there's a part of you expects like she's really the only one that's down there there's not just like a whole a whole brood of of inbred goblin you, you creatures and there's a part of me that's like i would like that is it really necessary for the film no the movie does plenty without it what I will say does that mean that I don't want more goblin is creatures? Part of part of part of uh, my my thought process on that also is there is first off there's a really phenomenal series um, on YouTube of a guy who essentially turns all of the SCP files into audiobooks mm-hmm. um, where he reads them like case files uh, called the Vulgan and he has a really good episode on the Aristocrats which is probably one of my favorite SCPs which is specifically about like. Yo, what if the Habsburgs just went underground? And became mole people. Yeah, and became mole people where, like, they were just, you know, again, Mm -hmm. doing the exact same thing here. And they send in, like, there's a documentation of, like, an SCP, like, like squad that goes down into it and explores it. And it's all from, like, a verbal description of what their helmet can is seeing. And, like, they essentially come out and there's this big feast where they're, like, eating babies you know, and like they they don't have eyes anymore, and their their mouths are all toothy, and it's all like also scientifically described. Mm-hmm. You know, where like it uses all like the proper terms for like when teeth aren't lined up perfectly and bones are a certain way, and they're almost like goblin or frog like, and it's super cool because they're describing like the Habsburg emblems everywhere and how like people go missing. While I'm on the subject, I I do love it because the inevitable conclusion is that the Habsburgs have been doing this for like centuries now. And they've made their bloodline so pure that it can, like, affect other bloodlines. And they're trying to, like, essentially, like, rape the world. And, like, infect the whole world with, like, this Habsburg goblin, like, bloodline. Which is very, it's almost anime. Like, it's borderline. Yeah. You know, like, it's so absolutely outrageous. But it, it's it's just, it's fucking wild. And I, I would recommend, like, checking out, like, any of the... All of the Vulgans videos are, like, really good for, like, if you're taking a shower or whatever and you just want to listen to something kind of spooky. They're great. They're really good for that. He's a he's a wonderful narrator. But that story was so ingrained in my mind of, yeah, just, like, these mole people. And it's still, I think, my favorite depiction of that. And this film had, had a lot of that same kind of world building and is set up the same mm-hmm. way. And so when he says there's worse things down there, I'm like... Yo, where are the two-headed Mole ones? people. Yo, where, where's the one where it's got, like, it's, like, really fat? Where's the, where's this goblin? And I wanted to see all the different, like, goblins. And... The goblin yeah, variations. Is it more academic to say, like, oh, no, this man is the monster. And he is more monstrous. Because he, he is the heart of this darkness of this Well, yeah, people. because this, this creature is also a victim. Yeah, to me, She's it monstrous, like- but... Texas She's Chainsaw Massacre yeah. family. Leatherface. Yeah, a Leatherface comparison, yeah. And, like, the, 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 the patriarch of the family, where he's obviously the one in charge of everything, but he's so old that he's just being dragged around everywhere. Yeah. And basically a corpse. I'm glad you mentioned Texas Chainsaw Massacre, though, because Texas Chainsaw Massacre has, like, four of them. 
there's there's Leatherface, there's the brother, there's the father and the grandpa. Mm-hmm. And so like we get this whole exploration of the family and I think that's what I was looking for. Sure. Is like I wanted that same sort of Texas Chainsaw thing where it's like, yeah, where's her brother? Where is the where's the other one? Where is like the you know, the, the And I arc? and I agree with you in the sense that I also would have wanted that and would have loved it if it was a thing. Does the movie in its current state need that additional no. stuff? No, it does not. Would it have been nice to have something like that? Sure. Mm-hmm. But what it does is perfectly monstrous enough sure. that we don't necessarily need more of it. Yeah, and I think, honestly, it's being kind of used as a metaphor in this movie. It's showing the monster that this predator has created Mm -hmm. this terrible creature it's saying something directly about the aftermath that comes from right well that's that's the thing is like she is she is monstrous but through no fault of her own yeah she is truly a product of her environment and has not even been educated or loved in any way is just like completely feral and subterranean and the only (laughs) comfort or exposure to the outside world that she has is a uh is a postpartum breastfeeding instructional video so it's like all she wants is a baby (laughs) but is so but she's like so uh horribly separated from humanity that all other drives are just kill you know baby and kill that is all that is all this creature knows and she is she is pitiable for it yeah she is she is pitiable she is uh she is just as much a victim of the horror as anybody else is she didn't choose to be like a fucked up incest abomination right yeah like that's not her fault Right, and she's and she's capable of tenderness, of weird sort of monstrous tenderness. Which is even scarier. But yeah. she is, and you know she comes after them later when they go uh, to the to the homeless guy's sort of little encampment. I love that because he's like, they're like, how do you know she won't come here? And he's like, I've lived here for fifteen years, and she ain't never gotten in here. Immediately, like she the cool, fucking cool man, man yeah. through the wall. Oh yeah. And literally rips the homeless guy's arm off and beats him to death with it. Incredible. Loved it. Which is so incredible, yeah. And then we get this great scene of of her chasing them up to the top of this water tower and Justin Long being like, we can't both escape, but I can escape. And he like pushes. I'll come back for you. I want to say before that, he, he has a really telling moment. Where he's like, am I a monster? Am I a bad... I think I I might be a bad person. Yeah. It's like he has a moment that's almost self-awareness. Because he accidentally shoots Tess earlier. We jumped over that. But And you get the impression that when he's saying, like, am I a bad person? Maybe. Or did I just do a bad thing and I'm a good person? You can tell that he's only talking about shooting Tess. It's not at all a moment of actual self-reflection about, like, raping this woman earlier. That's not what he's talking about. For reference, it's, uh, yeah, is, uh, the, our our protagonist, um, when she decides to finally go back down there, she's rewarded by being shot by 
this guy. Yeah, like, he because he's the, scared. He takes he, a killer's takes gun and yeah, sees something moving in the darkness and shoots her. Yeah. Yeah. But he does help help her out of there, and then of course that's when they go to the homeless guy. Right. And here we are. And then but, chase up to the top of the water tower, and he's like, I can escape, but you're gonna have to keep her busy. And he's like, Hey bitch, come get your baby, and like pushes Tess off the water tower. tower. And we get this awesome shot, so funny, of the of the the ghoul woman jumping off the water tower after Tess. Head first. Head first. Jumping off after her baby and she does manage to catch her and cradle her so she breaks her fall on uh, on the, the ground and then, you know, Justin Long comes down and just like total sleaze ball. He's like, I'm sorry, I wasn't thinking. I was scared. I just did what I thought I had you to do. You kinda were already starting to slip. But it's like slip. I didn't I didn't really push <laughs> yeah. you, you know. I you you started to slip and there was nothing that I could do. And then it's like uh the goblin woman just sits up and grabs him by the head and pushes her thumbs into his eyes and just like opens his skull up like his skull skull open like a fucking cantaloupe yeah it's like Um, yes nice hell yeah i i really love the kind of juxtaposition of him trying to justify what he did to himself really with the horrible fritzel like monstrous character Because he's trying to tell himself that he's a good person that just did a bad thing when he is not realizing, like, you affected other people, you know? Like, yeah. And, like, having that that juxtaposition from between the two really cements that super well, I think, and kind of emphasizes it and pulls it full circle as a theme mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, and yeah, he definitely gets his comeuppance. Yes, he dies, um, uh, in a very fitting way. And, uh, then the movie's pretty much over. We, you know, the, the monster kind of is, like, sitting over Tess, like, kind of stroking her and, like, cooing at her, you know, very motherly. And, uh, Tess grabs the gun off the ground, shoots the monster in the head, immediate smash cut to credits. With the song "Be My Baby" play, yeah, <laughs> I I love the confidence. Mm-hmm. Of yeah, the no fucking no fucking fat. It's like it's like all right, shoot the monster. Movie's over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, and unfortunately, we do like kind of quickly. Like after a few names are, are shown, we do quickly cut back to her getting up. And yeah, we see her getting up. Get and away, yeah. yeah, she'll she'll probably she'll probably be fine. Yeah, we know um, all the threats are gone. Yeah, maybe I, I, maybe mentally pretty fucked up. But I, I'm not going to like when it cut to credits. I will say, like, I'm sorry, but the first thought that went through my head is, wait, oh, there are no more goblins, damn. <laughs> no, at that point, too late to introduce. At that point, it's too late to introduce. It's not goblins. the movie's fault; it's mine. But I did. Yeah. If you want more goblins, watch The Descent. There's plenty of goblins there. Yeah. You can see it again. Oh, I, I might listen to that that Aristocrats video again, though. Yeah, it's there really you go. Go yeah. and listen to your SCP. I will. Um, well, let's rate this. We've we've gone pretty long, so we need to wrap this up quick. Yeah, um, ben, why don't you start? I think I know what you're rating. Yeah, this is my favorite movie of the year i think it's the scariest horror movie of the year it's one of the funniest movies of the year too on top of that and uh, it's one of my favorite theater going experiences in a while again like if you're a fan of horror at all 
run, don't walk to go see this movie. It's fucking phenomenal. This is an easy five for me. Cleve? Cool. Yeah, um, like I said, it's no fault of the movie. Uh, it's purely mine, but this is my rating. I feel like I have to just, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna give it a 4.5, because I wanted more goblins. <laughs> You're just mad about the font. Oh, shit, I didn't mention that. Um, uh, I'm not really place. mad about it. I'm kind of, I'm also kind of, I feel validated because it's a very good movie. Um, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, the font in this movie, it was driving me up the wall the entire time I was watching it because the font, I, I knew it exactly when I saw it. I was like, oh shit, I know that font. It's very specifically the Adobe font, Benguat Pro ITC. Like, I know, I know for a fact it is because it's the font I picked for all of our studio title stuff. Like, because it's like the perfect, like, John Carpentery font without being exactly John Carpenter. Yeah, y'all didn't invent that font. No, it, it's an Adobe font. It. I just, I use it for everything, so, like, I, it's, it's really, yeah, so like... Yeah, so another good horror movie is, has the same sensibilities. Yeah, and it's great, it and it's, it's be... totally fine, but I was kind of, like, like, watching it, like, ah, it's my font. Like, give it back. Um, uh, but, like, anyone can use it. It's a very good one. Yeah, you don't own that font. No, I don't. Um, anyway. I have a license for it, but, like, it is, uh, yeah, it is very good, and it's, yeah, it's Benguat Pro ITC, and, like, I was like, oh, yeah, the way that end swoops... The way that thing had, yeah, I know that font. Anyway, uh, I'm also going to give this a four and a half out of five. Uh, it's not my favorite film of the year, but it was a very pleasant surprise. A dark horse that came out of nowhere. Sicko September reigns supreme. Uh, I didn't know it was based on a dark horse comic. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> this is a confident debut. I think this I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, no, I, I mean, I'm I'm absolutely right curious to I see... see more comedy guys move into. Yeah, I want to see a full length Tim Heidecker horror movie. Um, but anyway, horror, yeah. well, good. Barbarian will receive a very powerful 4.7 out of 5 average from us. If you have listened to this whole episode and haven't seen the movie, still big recommendation. Don't know why you would do that. Go see it uh, next week. Next week is special. Next week is our five-year anniversary, And in tradition, we won't tell you what we're covering, but uh, we've done something special this year. It'll it be another special. two-part episode that fits perfectly with the year of the sequel. So next week, come celebrate our five-year anniversary with us. Now... We got to get paid. Sponsor time. Sponsor time. The shelf has, uh, you know, last week I pulled the last uh, sheet off of the shelf. Yes, just this morning I uh, I performed the necessary blood rites to restock. Blood and cum, of course. Blood and yes, excuse me. Blood and the cum. The sponsor rights. shelf must be fed in every way. The blood and cum rites to <laughs> refill the sponsor shelf. So yeah. we've got a fresh batch of sponsors ready to go for the next. Number of weeks. I'll just swarp it right off the shelf and give it a read. Yeah. This episode was brought to you by a pig in a pork pie hat. And that's all, folks. Perfect. <laughs> well, uh, you can uh, support the show by leaving us five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Shout out to honorary pod boys Sam Simon, Zach Confer. Y'all are the best. You can follow us on Twitter at podpeoplepod and at letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod, where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews 
I'm on Twitter at some spooky snake. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I am occasionally tweeting for Lydex Studios, who brought up put out very slow progress on its stairs back. But mainly, you can find my work on DreadXP.com amongst all the super cool spooky games that we are, we have for you to play. Um, I will say that there's some really particularly spooky stuff coming for Mortuary Assistant for Halloween. Um, uh, I think this will be airing before oh, Halloween. Oh, yes, well before um, Halloween. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's coming out on Halloween or if it's coming out like sometime in October. But, but soon. I, anyway... Uh, I'll just say, like, yeah, I'm in the work Discord for Mortuary Assistant, and I was, like, scrolling through it, and I saw that, the photo of, like, what he's working on, and my my immediate reaction is like, oh, no, don't like that, that's scary as hell, so, like, yeah, definitely, definitely check out the Mortuary Assistant, um, and just be looking for, like, what, what the fuck the the developer is putting out at that time, because it's, it's awful in all the best ways, yeah, great, good shit, good, really good shit there, so, yeah, stay, stay tuned for that. Well, thanks for listening. Until next time, stay barbarous, y'all. Rockin' in a rollin' rockin' in a reel of barbara